This episode is going to be special because we have a special guest, which is Gabby Van Horn. She is not a chemical engineer, so I repeat, not a chemical engineer, but she is a English coach or let's say English professional coach, which helps other fellow engineers to succeed. So of course, this is mostly aimed for non-English speakers. But I know that there's a lot of people which is not quite confident with their English level or the way they interact at the job or if they're willing to relocate. They know or we know English is something very important to consider and it's something that either opens you doors, panoramas, paths or will simply shut you down. So I share a lot of things with Gabby, especially the things or tips that we can do or quick tips, quick actionable tips that actually help us uh, non-English speakers or non-native English speakers to improve our interactions in the workplace or in studies, scholarships, interviews, all the relevant things whenever English is something to consider. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoy and I'll see you in a few seconds. Welcome to the Chemical Engineering Guys podcast, a show in which we share stories and tips from chemical and process engineers. We talk about student and professional life, as well as important aspects of products, processes, industries, and companies. But more importantly, what are the paths that these unique individuals are taking in this ever-changing world? Let's get started. What's up, guys? Welcome once again to another new episode of the Chemical Engineering Guys podcast. This time we have Gabby Van Horn, which in this specific case is not a chemical engineer, but she has a IT background. So she knows a little bit, on, well, not a little bit. She should be able to program because she is a computer, it's a bachelor. She knows about that. And the interesting thing right here is that we met through LinkedIn. She reached out or I reached out and we get to know each other projects. Actually, we are both doing podcasts and she is right now the host of the Clever Hybrids, which is about uh, people at least which tries to learn languages by bilingual people and how they struggle or make their careers or paths in other countries. So I think it's way better that G Gabby introduces herself. She knows much more about herself. So Gabby, can you let us know what do you do in general? How do you help other, let's say, engineers to achieve their goals? Well, thank you so much. What I'm doing right now is I'm working mostly with the Latino and the Habesha or the Ethiopian and Eritrean community. Most of my clients are actually working in finance or engineering, I work with a lot of process engineers and electrical engineers. So it was really a, a pleasure to be brought onto the show. Our main processes, which we're pivoting a little bit, like you said, we have the Clever Hybrids podcast. We started that to give relatable examples of people who are already functionally bilingual and how they got to that point to give some role models to the community. And on our website, we also have services for individuals and enterprises or large, large companies, startups as well, 
where they can help their team to upgrade to be able to compete on the world stage. So those are my two main focuses, trying to give someone the role model of, yes, you can do this, and also giving them the pathway and the tools to be able to get to that point. Okay, that sounds great. I need to be, let's say, I feel happy that this exists because we all non-native English speakers, we know that English is, of course, very important. And if you know or may not know, speaking English will literally open you a whole new panorama on working, on life, on where you can move to and so on. So speaking English, especially for engineers and this global world is very, very important. You can miss a lot of opportunities if you do not have the English background. So I need to be honest, I grew up in a, let's say, in a family which valued a lot the English language itself. So I grew in a bilingual, let's say, college or I don't know how to say it, but we had 50-50. So 50% was taught in English, especially like world history, the language, English itself, mathematics, and so on, sciences. So I had a lot of easiness on English, even though, of course, I had my hard times. But what I learned, then I changed to, let's say, a high school, which was a public uh, high school. And unfortunately, here in Mexico, English is not taught that great for, let's say, the average student. And I saw how a lot of my friends had problems with English And it was so sad because they were so capable and they knew the maths, but they were confused on the English or what the question was asking and so on. So, Gabby, what do you think on the English and the importance for, let's focus right now on engineers. What, what can English do for them? Well, just as you mentioned, it opens a lot of doors, especially for getting more lucrative clients. I've had a few engineers that actually came to my classes and they, as you said, I'm very qualified. I have the black belt. I have all of these other certifications, but because I cannot get through an English speaking interview, I can't pass to the next level of the contract. So it really holds them back from being able to get that, I guess you'd say recognition that they deserve from all of the work that they've done. The other thing that it does is when you have research to publish or you have a project to publish, if you can't publish it in English, it doesn't reach as many people as it could. For example, looking at the statistics from a study done in 2017, I believe it was Spanish for an example, is only about 5% of the internet. And that's from the top five languages. The other languages are English, course Chinese and other a few other Asian languages but English is 50% of the internet one in four people worldwide speak English not all of them are engineers but most of the largest established colleges are also English based so be, to be able to get your research and your name out there to as many people as possible English is important okay yeah talking about the English-based colleges let's start with the order of how English opens towards study, how English opens towards a professional career, and how English can open you for research, which I would say research is a must that you gotta go for English. So first things first, uh, how do you think English opens uh, borders 
for young people for study? How, where can they go? Why do they open these doors and so on, Gabby? Well, that's a great question. With English for study, a lot of the major colleges worldwide in the US, UK, and Australia as well, they've required these English proficiency exams like TOEIC, IELTS, TOEFL to be able to even get into the college. So if you can't pass those exams, you don't even get the opportunity to participate in their programs. Once you do get there, if your English is not as proficient as you would like, I see a lot of people that they pass the exam, but then they have trouble speaking or writing real life. If you have that issue, once you get to the university or college, then you're not able to take full advantage of the instruction and also the environment. That's where it's very important to take advantage of being immersed in the culture while you're there so you can learn as much as possible about how people actually speak. <laughs> but taking that information, if you take advantage of the actual time to get immersed in the culture, whatever culture you're going to be working in, and understanding the differences between the different English speakers and their cultures, Brits are not the same as people from Scotland or people from Canada or the US or Australia, New Zealand, they're all very different. Even South Africans among themselves are also very different as well. What you have to do with, with that information for your career is once you start going to interviews or you start working with international teams, say for example, um, you went to a university outside your country Then you come back to your country and work for a, a multinational company, but your boss lives in the UK or the US. It really helps your career if you can not only give them the facts, but also have a friendship with them. And to have a friendship, you have to be able to speak English on a colloquial or everyday level. Like, hey, how are you doing? How's kids? How's this family? We call that small talk. That's very important for building relationships. I would say that you will maybe level up directly if you go to, let's say, you let's say that you have the ability to go to a top 200 university, which as you stated, mostly are English speaking ones. So let's say that once you get to any of these universities, your panorama will change because you will have now a degree which is much more, let's say, standardized. It's not the same that Uh, I say that I graduated from a university in X city in Mexico than saying a X university in the US. So people associate the US as quality rapidly. They know it's an important country. They know engineering is stronger. Or if you're talking about the UK as well, especially in UK that maybe not all people know about the universities or the cities, but once you say it's a university in the UK, you get respect. And once that you get that degree, you can open new doors because if you, let's say you started in UK, it's way easier to go to any other English speaking country because for you to get a degree in engineering, you definitely have to have the English language. So that will be not asked for you. So Gabby, let's pass to the second question, which will be how does English opens doors in a professional career? Let's say work, or collaborations? That's another great question. Many of my clients really have trouble when they're working with their colleagues that have different accents. So that's very important to be aware of too. 
there are also lots of other countries that are not native speakers of English, or maybe they have a different accent. You might be working with engineers from China or India that are very big technology economies, and they have a very different accent. Even the words that they use when they speak English are very different. So it's important to be aware of those. With your career too, as you said, research as an engineer is very important to open up your opportunities in the community as well as to share ideas. So when you publish in English, you reach more people, you're able to maybe even give a TED talk about that and give get more views from that TED talk. If you look at some of the largest tech companies right now, and they're not necessarily engineering, but we're talking about FinTech or other large tech companies that are not that are based in Silicon Valley and aren't based in Silicon Valley. Their leadership speaks very good English. We have the CEO of, of Microsoft right now, also the CEO of Alibaba. Those are very good examples of how being able to speak the English language increased their prestige, not only in their countries, but gave them opportunities worldwide. So that's very important. English is like the world language. I remember starting my personal, let's say, business dedicated for chemical engineers, but I started in Spanish because I was naive and I wanted to do something for my Spanish-speaking world, let's say for the students that speak Spanish. My language was Spanish, so it was easier for me to teach that way. The courses I created initially were in Spanish. But what I see is that I didn't reach that many people online. I know there is a lot of people speaking Spanish, but online, it was way different when I started and shifted towards English. I started teaching chemical engineering and English, and I got people, of course, I will expect people from USA and UK, but what I got was people from Egypt, people from Iraq, people from South Korea, countries that I didn't even imagine will be getting my content, they started getting into the analytics and the searches were mostly for people in India, people in Malaysia. So that was great for me because as a business, I opened a whole new market, which I didn't even knew there was. So Gabby, can you let us know more on maybe how businesses need to adapt to this English trend? Yeah, that's a great example of your own personal experience. Good for you. Thank you. With what I'm seeing, I even had a, a podcast episode with a um, a Latina who is also from Mexico, who has a business with someone who is from Spain, <laughs> and they they started their psychology business, psychology consulting just for Spanish speakers. But when they opened it up to English speakers, they saw a lot more business, just as you did. The reason for that is something that we call in the tech business SEO. So that's search engine optimization. When you publish something, just as we said, most of the internet is in English, but when you publish something and it has keywords in it, then it, it goes to the major search engines like Google, Bing, uh, DuckDuckGo. <laughs> so if you're using one of those, the more that you post, especially in English, the easier it is to show up on the first page, which puts you in the line of sight of your customer base. 
even on social media, if you're posting something, then the, the actual algorithm will reward you for posting, of course. But if your content is in English, it gets spread to a much larger audience than if it was in another language, which is not a bad thing to have a niche, but having that niche as you have chemical engineering in English widens that niche a little bit to to give you more possibilities if you see where I'm going with that. Yes, yes, I, I totally get it. And I will even say that the English speaking audience has way more economical uh, power or let's say you can sell easier online content for Americans because they are used to get online content. They're used to have a credit card. They're used to have, I don't know, 10 to $20 for a American is not the same as for any, let's say for a Mexican, 10 to $20 is way much more weight on their pocket. So not only you open a new market, but it's also a very interesting financial market, which has much more capability and they're much well connected. They are used to use the credit card way far beyond than other countries. So definitely English speaking uh, uh, gives you this powerful market that is already there. It's already developed. So it's only waiting for you to reach. So Gabby, let us know more on how do you help your clients to achieve this transition? So do they speak a little bit English or do they speak some proficiency level and they want to get more technical or are they like from zero? That is a good question. Most of my clients fit into two categories. They're either very business savvy, meaning they can talk about their job all day long. They know everything to explain the specs, any research that they might be doing. So you have that set that they're very business savvy, but they have a lot of trouble in social settings or presenting. Then you have the other side that are discussion ready. They can present and have a discussion and talk and talk and talk. But when it comes to being more serious and explaining business concepts or using a little bit more elevated language, uh, say, for example, inst instead of saying, I don't know, I wasn't aware of that is a little bit more of a, a business way to say that they wouldn't know about that. So that's the gap that we fill with that section. Most of the clientele we have already have a very high level of English, but because one or the other half is missing, either they're they have the business, business savvy portion and they're missing the discussion ready person or vice versa, then we have to go through their specific needs and find out what to do for their situation. To give you an example, uh, most of them tend to be business savvy and have trouble with the discussion side. So we would have them practice maybe mock presentations or have a mock interview to work through all of their mistakes in a judgment-free environment where they can get feedback. And that helps them to be able to have interviews and even get to the next round sometimes just from having that extra practice, which of course you can do that with a friend, but when you have an expert to help you do that, then you're able to get more tailored feedback, which helps you improve faster. Yes. And I'm pretty sure that you already know most of the type of interviews that your clients will get 
while a friend will typically ask you like common sense things, which not always you're going to encounter in an interview. Many times you will get these scary questions that you weren't expecting, but are kind of normal on the industry. For instance, if you're in consulting, if you're in engineering, if you're in pharma, I'm pretty sure that you are well-researched on that. And I will also recommend, especially for something that important, which is a job, to get a consultation on your English or interview level. And I think this is a great way to do so. So, Gabby, can you give us some general tips for interviews or for, let's say, this this part that you said that they may have the tech knowledge, but they have problem with the discussion. So some, let's say, two or three tips for them. Well, what most people have trouble with, especially at the beginning, are their introduction words. So if you get stuck after, hi, hello, how are you? You might write down a few phrases of, I'm really glad to be here, or thank you so much for having me, just to help you get through that little bump in the road of trying to get to the actual conversation. That's one of the tips there. Yeah. The other thing. That's a great one. Yeah, I really like that one because even when you're, when it might be your own language, that is also an issue. You get stuck at the beginning. Okay, how do I segue this into the actual conversation? That's always the hardest part, but having it be in another language adds a second layer of difficulty to that situation. (laughs) That's true. Actually, I was just thinking about myself right now. It's like, it's so funny that we know the very first, which is, hi, how are you? But then getting into the second part, as you said, it's like a bump. And this is as for your native language and English or foreign language. So definitely having these little questions that help you or maybe phrases that gives you a little bit more time. And also it creates rapport, which allows the other uh, person to open and maybe ask a question or comment something definitely helps. That's true. Even if you're at a beginning level of English and you understand it very well, but speaking is very hard for you. Like you said, there are certain things that you can say to give yourself a little bit more time, but without sounding like you don't know what you're talking about. So you could say, for example, instead of saying, huh, what did you say? You could say, I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Or Could you say that again? I didn't quite understand what you meant. Those are two options you have there. Another one that if you're stuck and you don't have a thought of what to say next, you might have noticed I did stumble a few times, but when I don't have something to say, I take a breath and I pause. That's what we call a pregnant pause. So when you do that, it draws the person in. They're they're thinking, okay, what are they going to say next? And it also gives you a little bit of time to get yourself together to think of what you're going to say. Pregnant pause will always give birth to a good idea most of the time. (laughs) So that's another thing that you can use. And what tips can you give to the other half that you were telling that maybe they don't know that much on the topic or technical topic, So, but they are good on having conversation. So... Would you recommend to learn more on the technicalities or let's say something quick that they can do right now without investing that much time? That's a good point. For those of you that are discussion ready and having a little bit of trouble with being business savvy, 
The first thing is, we often say in English, fake it until you make it, but this is one of the situations where you should not do that because people will get annoyed with you very quickly. Uh, what you should do in that case instead is ask a lot of questions. So humility is very important in that case. If you don't understand something, same as with the other people, you could say, could you explain that in another way? Or I didn't quite understand that point. Could you explain that in a simpler way? Ask a lot of questions to be able to get to the point without having to say, I don't know, but also not faking that you do understand when you have no idea what's going on. That will lead to misunderstandings later on that could have been avoided. Yes, definitely. And something I will recommend also, it's always say that it's not your, that you're not comfortable with the language. So that try to use that on your advantage and not and disadvantage. I know we all hate speaking with someone that is not proficient on our language, but if he states or she states that uh, I, I'm uncomfortable with the language, but I'm willing to understand and uh, So make them clear that you want to understand and you want to participate, even though the language is maybe hard for you, and especially in technicalities. So of course you can always simplify a very complex topic. So always try to do so or make the other uh, participant on the uh, communication to know that he should or she should make it simpler. Exactly. Okay, Gabby. So. So let us know more on engineering or clients that are in engineers already. So what are their stories, if you can share them? Maybe what what do they do in general? Do they travel a lot or do, do they change countries, move from their native country to other English-speaking countries? How do they work? That's a great question. With the process engineers that I've worked with so far, is They've stayed in their country of origin, but they work for large multinational companies. So the main thing that they come to us for is working on those discussion skills or being able to explain something. I know a lot in engineering, when you're done with the process as an engineer, it seems very easy to you and you, you think, okay, yeah, this is so easy. Even a, a baby could do this, but for the rest of us, <laughs> it's, it's very complicated. So to be able to explain step by step how something would be done, especially as a process engineer, where you're trying to fine tune something that a company does on a daily, even hourly basis and explain it to the rest of the department, you have to be able to use sequence words. First, you should do this. Then this follows. After that, you should do this. A lot of people struggle with, with that because in their language, those words are something else or the, the sentence order is different. That would be one of the things that we work on with them. The other thing is also to improve their communication skills. So not all engineers, but many engineers tend to be very left brain focused and that the right side of the brain that's more on creativity and of thinking more about how do I word this in a way that sounds polite, sometimes that becomes secondary. So they have to know the difference between 
sending an, an email update for a project or sending an, an email to check on a colleague just to say hi. There's a different tone that would be used. Informal versus formal, one that's more a little bit open with some slang maybe. Hey, how's it going? What's up with you? That would be more to a colleague. But if you're talking to your boss or the project manager, you might be a little bit formal. Hey, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so, we're going to meet the deadline. This looks pretty good so far. I just wanted to give you an update of where we stand and some suggestions of what we might need to do next. So that, that difference between tone is also very important. Yeah, definitely. Also with clients maybe that you don't know and if you are like very casual and not formal, that might be something that can cause some problems. Or maybe you have vendors that, of course, you are on, let's say, the position of being the client, but also they will expect some formal uh, treatment. And if you're so like casually talking and the worst thing is that many times and I'm also guilty of, you don't know how casual your language is. And sometimes you know that some things are formal, but many times you also know that this could be more formal and I don't know how. And I know this is a very let's say the last mile of becoming very proficient on technicalities. And I will recommend having this type of services because they can uh, help you in the very short run to improve your language. And especially if you're changing jobs or you got a new position, you need to adapt quickly. So what do you think on that, Gabby? How, what are, let's say the things, what is the typical time that you would recommend for a coaching? So is it a one session, one month, uh, continuously? What are the typical profiles of your clients? Most of my clients are very busy professionals. So we try to have them in a, a 12 week intensive course so they can not only get tips from us, but also learn strategies to continue their learning on their own after the course is finished. So with their schedule, because they're They're trying to run their business if they're an entrepreneur or they have a lot of international meetings already. They can choose to have one hour or two hours a week where we discuss things that are not just theory, but practical to their specific situation. So in the example of engineers, we might have one session where they're focusing on their writing. They have a really big research project that they're working on. We go through the report that they already sent me in advance, proofreading it together and going through some of their errors of what they can fix next time. The second session might be preparing for a big presentation where they do a few run-throughs or practice sessions of the presentation. And each time we give them a little bit of feedback, well, next time you could do this or I noticed that you were struggling with this word. This is another word that you could use instead. Things of that nature are very important. So the, the 12 weeks or one quarter, three months is a good baseline to be able to see a lot of improvement without it having to be too long to the point where they feel disengaged. Okay, yeah, definitely. The As they say, time is gold. So the faster you can get with this, the better. But to be honest, language is not about like doing quick stuff. It's a, a process, a brain process. Even I've heard, I don't know if you probably you've read that 
having extra languages modify the structure of the brain. Right. So it's not something that you can quick, uh, quickly, uh, let's say, fix. It's something that takes time. But the problem is that you're already on the new job or in the new position or moving already from countries. So Gabby, what, right now you're in Germany. What, but what type of services do you offer? Well, even though I'm in Germany, even before COVID started, most of my customers are having online courses because they work for multinationals where they have international meetings all the time. So we're not only working on their English skills, but also their video meeting etiquette. <laughs> so I don't know if this is common with some of the people that you work with, but sometimes if you're not used to have a video meeting, you don't know how to look at the camera or there are certain things that you shouldn't do on camera, how to take notes without it looking like you're, you're typing on your phone, certain things that, that may have be obvious, maybe hand gestures and other things that would be obvious in person that you have to exaggerate a little bit for the camera or to, to explain a little bit more because you don't have the extra layer of body language to be able to explain it for you. So we have to go over that type of etiquette as well. The main thing that we focus on right now, and we're still pivoting on this as a, a little bit, is working with enterprises, different companies, maybe they're the branch of a multinational company, but their team has been struggling to keep up with the rest of the company because of the an English proficiency problem. So that's our, our new niche that we're fo following up on right now. And having that extra proficiency can lead to promotions within the company. It can also help if, if there are any layoffs within the company that you're able to find another job faster if you have better English skills than most of the other applicants. So there's a lot of benefits to be able to do that type of um how would I put it, employee L&D learning and development to keep them with you longer, but also if something happens that they have more skills to take with them to their next assignment. Exactly that. The company is actually investing on its human resource. Mm -hmm, exactly. Gabby, and right now, are you by your own or do you have a, uh, I don't know, associates or is it a company? How is your structure Right now, I'm working mostly on my own. Um, as we grow, we might need to bring some more people on board and have a few friends that I'm talking with about that. They're also certified teachers that have different levels of expertise in different fields. So at the this point, I'm a solopreneur working on that, that podcast, as I mentioned, reaching out to these different enterprises worldwide and also just trying to create a, a community of people who are all working on the same thing and can encourage each other. That's the main thing that I feel is missing with a lot of language schools. They've, they might give you examples of where you could be and how to get there, but having that sense of community that you can talk to other people and say, this is what I'm going through. Has this happened to you before to get that feedback or help that you need? That is a major thing to keep you going day by day. Yeah, actually, the let's say a very quick example. If I were part of this community, 
and you're working at, and I want to know very like a tip on these companies. So how do they address in this company? And you know, someone has been there. So the value of this type of communities is huge because you don't, uh, you don't know the potential of all the other experiences of others and they can help you to avoid any, let's say complications on uh, interviews or let's say this example on the digital camera. This is very important. And right now with COVID, it's way more uh, crucial to actually know how to uh, be on camera. As you stated, you got to look directly on the camera, even though it's strange, but it, the way your eyesight conveys uh, like more a confident message, the way your hand moves, and as you stated, the way you see it, if you're like checking the phone, well, is that going to be rude? how to do all these, let's say, like rules to have a good experience and that you can get it from other fellows from the community. So Gabby, I don't know if you want to add something uh, to your to the episode. I was wondering, maybe can you let us know what is the most gratify, gratifying moment of you having this experience with your clients on, I know helping people to succeed in the job is great. So can you let us know maybe one or two examples on how you achieve something big with your clients? Yeah, with the clients, if you're talking to someone once a week for 12 weeks, they actually become your friend too, which is nice. <laughs> And you can even get feedback from them. So I learned from my clients as well. We, As I mentioned, we speak with engineers, project managers, sales managers, So, and finance managers as well. So I learn a lot from them. But in terms of success stories, I've actually had a few clients that after their course, they've, they've gone on an interview, made it to the second round and actually got the job. So that was very encouraging to see. They've even in their current role, if they're already at the, the head of their department for the region, they were able to get commentation from their boss because their English had improved in such a short amount of time, which was very nice to see some outside feedback of how they've others have noticed their progress. The main thing that I want people to take away from this, though, is that when you're learning a language, of course, like you said, it's not going to be overnight, but it can be incremental. Have some type of notes, just like you would for your engineering research. This week I did this and this, and I feel by the end of the week, I really improved on this point. Then on days when you're really not feeling motivated or you're frustrated, oh, I'm not getting any better at English. I just feel like I, I can't do this. Look back at those notes and see how far you've come. That will keep you going on your journey to improve and You never know where you can where you can be. Once you've had one year of very focused engagement, that can lead to fluency. And once you reach fluency, if you have another year or two after that, then you get to the point where you feel like you can have a conversation with a native speaker on a, a business conversation and also a social conversation and be able to carry yourself well and After you get to that point, the possibilities are endless. Of course, you'll you'll constantly be learning new things because you're dealing with new cultures along with the English language. But 
it's a journey that if you track it, you'll be surprised how far you come if you really focus. That's very important. Always track, as you said, if you do it with your research on engineering, why wouldn't you do it with your English language? So thank you, Gabby. I don't know if you want to add anything else. Yes, of course. If anyone wanted to reach out to me, um, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I have Gabby Van Horn as my LinkedIn name. You can also follow the Clever Hybrids page on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. So I'd, I'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or would like to do some type of collaboration. But thank you so much for having me. Oh, sure, Gabby. I always try to add all the contact information in a blog post, which is including in this episode. So if you have any doubt, I will be linking all the uh, contact information so you can reach out for Gabby. Uh, I'm pretty sure that if you invest in yourself, especially in English, it's one of the, let's say, value to, let's say, I don't know how to explain it, but the way you pay for that value is way investment on the long term because it's not only English for now, it's English for life. So guys, thank you for joining us. And Gabby, thank you a lot for accepting the invitation and talking about English in the chemical engineering world. So guys, see you in the next episodes. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And before you go, I will really appreciate it if you take the time to share this podcast with your fellow colleagues, classmates, friends, or really anyone that might be interested on the topic of chemical engineering and its related fields. If you found this content helpful and valuable, please consider subscribing, writing, and leaving a review. Thank you so much for your support. It really means a lot. Thank you.